but I don't believe in like um, keeping cash because like um, frankly speaking uh, this is just human psyche right no no um, evil intentions but like most of the time if you hold like a um, big enough uh, position of, in cash when the market crash what I notice with people right is that they don't execute they don't put the money in because okay. they would say I'm kind of scared or uh, I think the market will dip further. Yeah, true. And when the, by the time that they actually um, miss out on like the one day 20% spike or 10% spike, you know, it'll be too late. Really. Because like there's actually this study done by like, uh, I think it was like JP Morgan way back. Uh, Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firl.co slash free all right guys welcome back to podcast best place for long-term stock investors today uh we have a guest that i've actually just met for the first time uh literally on instagram in fact cool 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 fact is that i don't even know what his eyes look like right because on his instagram profile <laughs> it's just uh you know red laser eyes but i do know he's a very good chef maybe more on your uh, culinary adventures later on uh but let, let's start uh, first welcome to the podcast uh, ryan yeah uh thanks for having me mj right for for some uh, for those who of you are interested you know you can follow him on instagram food and stongs right yeah that's right food and stongs uh you can't miss him uh, i just i just gave a good description of his profile picture right <laughs> so i think you just start off with uh, you know what do you what do you actually do for for because uh, i know you are in uh, in data and you have an engineering background right so maybe share a bit about how you got into the work that you're doing right now yeah, I'm uh, actually a hydraulic modeler. Okay. So basically what that means is I try to predict uh, floods and droughts for a living. So um, basically I create models of like um, rivers and like um, the atmosphere raining and stuff like that and how that translates into like flooding or like um, drought that affects like agriculture and stuff like that. Right, right. So it, it, fair to say you're in the renewable space? Yeah, not quite, but... Uh, it's uh, overlapping, I guess. Right, right, right. And so was this something that... Uh, I, I know what led up to what you're doing today, reading some of your posts, was that you you were saying how, you know, grades weren't that important and you pour your heart into a certain research project. Yeah. That essentially got you to either the job or the industry that you're in right now. Am I right to say that? Yeah. Right. So oh, basically, I was a civil engineering major. Right, right. So it's uh, quite far off from like what I'm doing, but not too far off because like, you know, hydraulics and, yeah. you know, there's always like drains and stuff like that when you build like construction, um, build new um, townships, there's always going to be like uh, drainage and stuff like that. But what's happening in um, Malaysia at the very mm -hmm. least, like, you know, uh, what I see is like um, more and more developments are coming up. Really? Okay. And um, it's coming up fast but without concern for any um, 
um, what, do you, what? How would you say that? Uh, like uh, without any concern for like <laughs> not not to say ESG, but like um, like any safety. environment right. environmental concerns. I would say like um, but uh, but in more precisely, right? There's no um, thought being put into the how would you put it? It's like uh, the sustainability consequences of like uh, construction. Because like when you cut Waste. trees down, yeah. you know that's gonna affect like things like the carbon cycle and the water cycle and stuff like that, and that's uh, basically translating itself to like uh, more extreme weather events like right, typhoons right. and the floodings today. Right. So, but I mean, just to, to so that I can visualize a bit better. I, I'm not in the field, but so you're 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 doing hydraulics. But how does like what you do help essentially with carbon emissions, like specifically? Paint, paint that picture for me. Well, not really. I'm in the water space, right? Right, right, right. So water and carbon, they don't really mix. Mm, mm. And like um, carbon is like a whole different story sure, when, it sure. com- when it comes to like uh, all this. Because like when you cut trees down, you know, that's carbon. But um, when you also cut trees down, it also affects like uh, things like water retention mm. in the in the forest mm-hmm. or like um, what we call surface runoff and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it, it will eventually lead to like more um, heavy rainfall, right. uh, more floods and droughts and stuff like that for for the water line. Okay, yeah. All right, all right. Maybe maybe more on uh, maybe more on your engineering uh, background later on. But uh, let's go into a bit of your uh, not your personal finances, but your views on personal finance, right? Uh, yeah, money and all that. And I know you have uh, some interesting opinions on this whole uh, fire, fat fire, what fit fire, and. Uh, you know, minimalism, things like that. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on this whole uh, thing? Because I know that, I think at least a couple of years back, thanks to COVID, right, there's this whole, I mean, the fire movement was already there five, six years yeah. ago, but, you know, it ramped up heavily during COVID, right? Because then everyone realized, oh, wow, actually managing money quite important. So, yeah. Yeah, but what are your overall thoughts on fire? Are you a fan proponent of it or you're like, hmm? Oh, going back to like the point of uh, uh, the whole fire movement right. getting ramped up in uh, yeah. during COVID, right? Yeah. I actually started when it was COVID. Uh, when when there was like COVID at the background because like ah. um, I started investing in like 2020. Okay, okay. And then uh, the market crashed. Right. And then uh, that's when like I started to be more conscious about money and like okay. uh, investing in general. And that's because now like, you can see the trading screen, right? It's <laughs> staring at you, right? Negative, right? Oh, yeah, and okay. all that. So um, in terms of like what I think about like... Um, fire so i'm personally a workaholic so i don't quite care about like uh, retiring early You're right because like i quite like my job and um i do want to continue working at it for as long as i can right right um but like in terms of like saving money and like getting that financial freedom to do whatever you want financial independence i think that's um quite liberating in many sense like um you know asian households people uh do live with their parents for a very long time uh until Maybe they get married in their thirties and then they move out. But like um, recently, you know, I've been moving out myself, and then like I'm feeling like all the stresses. Yeah, yeah. So like definitely, it's uh, it's something, it's something that um, it's good to experience. I would say, like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. managing money and all that. Right, right. So um, in this few years, right, like I mean, the investing lessons aside, lah, but. What have you discovered in the whole personal finance space that you would say, yes, I'll I'll take it and say this is good, right? Advice and all that. There may be some that are a bit popular that you would say, yeah, maybe not really a fan of that. 
Yeah, I would say like um, some uh, I I did this post on like yeah. uh, this thing called frugality right. uh, versus minimalism. Yes, yes. yes. So um, my mantra is uh, basically to be a minimalist. Right. I don't want to sacrifice a lot, too much. Not to say a lot, like uh, not too much. Uh, I think sec- uh, sacrificing is sometimes required for things like um, but like um, that's all about like uh, that's what minimalism is all about, right? So you basically throw away things you don't want. Yep. And then um. So I decided to like slowly take that towards my investing and um you know and and other aspects of my life you know so uh, stop focusing on tasks that doesn't really matter or like um stop you know holding on to stocks that don't really generate as much income uh, compared to like some other higher growth potential stocks right, you know, right. that that's kind of uh that's kind of like the 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 idea behind like uh, my minimal minimalism basically right so specifically to investing I know mm-hmm. I mean even though you've technically only invested for about two and a half years, but that these two and a half years feel like it's compressed over, like the the kind of lessons and the things that happened during these two years is like, yeah. like some people like even in ten years of experience won't won't experience right. Yeah. So how would you describe from the beginning, right? Your let's call it philosophy of investing and how does it involve? Yeah, it's been quite a roller coaster. I would say, like, uh, you know, you factor in all the volatility from Absolutely. the markets, you know, from twenty twenty onwards. Like, uh, right. I was at the, I bought in at the top of the roller coaster and I rolled it all the way down. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I would say I've evolved quite a lot. So in the beginning, I was kind of like a dividend investor. Okay, yep, yep. <laughs> I've heard this story before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I guess that's where everyone starts. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like quite a lot of people in the space, uh, locally, like um, Mr. Dividend Magic. Of course, yeah. I mean, so like, I really respect the guy, you know. Uh, so I mean, he like, put it, his name is there somewhere, right? So yeah, he kind of have to be that for for the rest of his life. I but it's really dividend magic for him. You know? yeah. But uh, I, I, at some point, I realized I don't quite have the patience to actually build that kind of portfolio. Yeah, and I'm yeah. kind of young, right? Like, um, so like within the next five years, I thought to myself, maybe let's try to do something crazy. Let's try to hit, um, you know, at least half a million or a million by thirty. Yeah, so um, that's where I started going down the path of like um, trading. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay. 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 And uh, the roller coaster that I took was actually um, growth stocks. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's kind of like where I made uh, my first batch of like um, real money to invest in like uh, Wall Street and crypto. But um, when I was like trading like growth stocks. I, it was like a cyclical play, play right? So I, I always had, had this question behind my mind. When should I sell? You know, so yeah. I, was, I was quite, um, I, I didn't like the question and I didn't like questioning myself this, uh, when should I sell thing? So it keeps me up at night, you know, like I'm, I'm always worried that like, yeah. uh, is the market kind of, uh, uh, are the stocks going to like go down tomorrow and all that. So eventually I took my profits and exited so and then i started looking for something that's like um well you don't have to ask that question <laughs> sorry well you don't have to ask the question. yeah exactly like uh what warren buffett says right, right. the best holding period is like forever yeah correct so like um so um i started looking for like you know things like amazon and um and that's kind of like where i realized where where the money is is it's basically a tech and where all the tech is is like actually in uh, wall street yep so um that's where i headed Right, right. So I know, you know, speaking of, of tech or that, I know 
yourself and you know your 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 co-host right for your podcast by the way guys he also run a podcast so <laughs> you know, podcast to podcast podcaster to podcaster sorry um i know you're a big fan of tesla yeah definitely. and before we talk about tesla i think you have a huge admiration for the paypal mafia right oh yeah so this is the the peter Thiel's, the uh, link was the linkedin guy again reed hoffman right yeah and then I mean I, I don't know all of them, but I know the three lah, right? Elon, <laughs> Peter, and Reed, right? Uh, I don't know about the rest. Uh, those no, are sorry. the three most famous guys. The, the others, you know, they are like the you know like you know Maroon Five. <laughs> yeah, the Maroon you know, Five it's, finance. It's called it's called, uh, it's called uh, Adam Levine and friends. That's why I like to call it Maroon Five. <laughs> Can you name the other members of Maroon Five? Um, Max Leishman. So that that's right. the guy who um, created um, PayPal together with Peter Thiel. Okay, and then like there's a there's like a whole gang of them. Like, yeah. I can't remember all of them, right. but like there's some of them went to start YouTube. Some of them like co-founded things like that. So mm. they are they're everywhere, you know, yeah. in terms of like um the uh tech today. Even um some of the people who started Google part of the mafia. What was what was it about them that um made you admire them so much? So at first I'm not gonna lie, like I admired them for being like. Crazy rich. Yeah, and I'm course. also fascinated with tech. Right, coming right. from an engineering background, I always have like admiration for yep. people who, you know, did innovation and stuff like that. And like, um, you know, you ask any engineering student nowadays, um, do you know Elon, who Elon Musk is? Yeah. Definitely, they know. You know, yeah. and um, you know, we engineering students normally we we put him on a pedestal and stuff like that. You know, yeah, he's cool. You know, yeah. But um, yeah, you know, uh, but beyond like how rich they are. I started to like um, read into like uh, those books, like um, you know, uh, financial journalists that yeah. uh, they they write. So basically, kind of like the YouTube stories, the Google stories, you know, Microsoft and all that. How it was built, how it came about, and um, you know, and I I, I quite like reading books like that. So um, you read yeah. like one book a day, right? Just, just no, like, no, no, I don't. It feels that way when I when I see on Instagram, like, wait, what? A book review? Wait, another one? Oh, okay, yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but uh, um, the the fashion uh, the fascination started yeah. from there, and then when I came across these guys, the PayPal mafia, you know, and uh, this specific book by right. Ashley Vance called okay. uh, Elon Musk, uh, basically a biography about right. Elon Musk. Okay, uh, it's a pretty good book about him. I think I would say, and um, I just noticed like how different this guy was, you know. He's like, he feels like, uh, to me, on a Steve Jobs level, because like Steve Jobs is like, kind of like, uh, he's not that much into tech, right? He's more on the um, art, marketing, uh, marketing should, spiritual yeah. kind of stuff. You know, uh, like fun fact, Steve Jobs um, went to India to get um, his um, monk spiritual training and yeah. stuff like that. So, you know, um, his philosophy is quite different compared to Elon Musk. Elon Musk is like pretty much hard on. He's like very involved in the tech. You know, and he's very, um, and he, he also has like a very fundam- uh, fundamental understanding of like uh, economics. So I would say that's why he's able to pull off like one of the most incredible feats, one after another, which is like privatizing the rocket business, which is very um, controlled by the government in US. Or, um, and he did it for like a tenth of the cost, if I remember, compared yeah. to NASA, something like that. Because right? he, he basically lands rocket and reuses them. So that's like, um, sustainability right there yeah yeah yeah. but uh the next thing he did that was insane was also like uh, tesla because like of course if you look at like all the car companies that succeeded in um us there's like uh, chevron there's like ford and then um now there's like tesla a grand total of three 
Mm. And yep. that's in the in uh, since like sixties or seventies. There's only three of them who succeeded, and like Tesla is one of them. So yeah. that's incredible, you know. So to me, at least, you know. Right, 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 right. I mean, uh, before I go into Tesla, like, how about the other two? Because I I can tell you my views that I'm I I I find um, I relate or I, how do I put it? I I prefer Peter Thiel. Yeah. Um, but of course, all three of them are, are you know, fantastic in their own right. Uh, Reid Hoffman is something, someone that I probably study the least. Not to say I study the other two a lot, lah, but you <laughs> know, study the least. How, how you assess both of them? We're not going to go through all the paper, <laughs> but at least these are, these are the two. Maybe starting with uh, Peter. Peter. Well, Peter Thiel, um, at that point of time, right? He information on him is rather scarce. Mm-hmm. There was no book on him. He is, um, I would say, like quite a private person. But uh, he does appear in um, interviews and like uh, podcasts. Yeah. People like um, if you listen to podcasts like um, Tim Ferriss, uh, the Tim Ferriss show. So they do talk about Peter Thiel a lot. And that's yeah. kind of like where I gather information about Peter Thiel. And I kind of like understood that this guy is a real good tech entrepreneur. Yeah. And he understands fundamentally uh, the tech and where there's, uh, there's a need for tech development in that space. So one of the few companies that um, he built was like Palantir. Yeah. That solves like a very, very niche need. I wouldn't say like uh, it's like, a, you know, it solves like a data in general, you know, because that's what Google did. Yeah. But like um, they, they did like something that's like really um, out of like, out of the field, like um, looking for like terrorists and stuff like that. So that's- Yeah, it's um, like a government, a very sophisticated government dashboard. Nah, yeah, exactly. To, yeah. We'll talk about Palantir, don't worry. Right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, or should we maybe leave that to uh, Aaron? Because I just saw his uh, one of his stories. He was talking about. Uh, yeah, we were, we're, we're both like uh, very, very yeah. bullish on Palantir. Okay, so how about Reed Hoffman? Because I know he has a pretty underrated um, podcast, I think Masters of Scale or something yes, exactly. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think of uh, Reed? Because uh, I mean, he founded LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he has been great, but for me, I don't know about what you think. I think it's a very cringe platform. <laughs> uh, I was just joking with a common friend of ours, you know, the 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 financial darlings people, uh, Shireen, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I just gave an example because she was complaining about LinkedIn as well. Or <laughs> she, is it her or Azan? I, I I never know who's the one typing. Uh. <laughs> uh, nah. So I I I just said, uh, she said that oh, you know, LinkedIn is a terrible place. Then I say, yeah, it's very cringe. You know, it's. All the posts are all the same. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was just joking, right? Oh, you know, I worked for the Ming Dynasty for eight hundred years. Here's eight hundred tips on how you can, you know, please the emperor, something like that. You know, <laughs> it's all in that, yeah, in that, that type, ring. right? But yeah, I mean, sorry, I digress. But uh, that's LinkedIn for you, and I, I really don't like the whole platform. Everyone is just you can just feel it's a front, right? It's not like okay, to be fair, Instagram is some of a front, but certainly places like like Twitter. Or even long form content or Spotify or Spotify podcast, you can't really hide like the personality. Yeah. But with LinkedIn, you you kind of can. Right? Yeah, I mean, it feels kind of like Facebook for work. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean. It's actually worse. At least, at least on Facebook, people like really complain about <laughs> things and really show who they are. I know it may there might be a racist yeah. or whatever, right? But he said, "Hey, cool, but you know, LinkedIn is." Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's cringe, you know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you would see, like, some people crying for help. Yeah. Please give me a job, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and everyone has a recommendation for Microsoft Excel, so that's yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, Reid Hoffman, sorry, we haven't <laughs> got, gone back. What, what well, do you learn from Reid Hoffman? 
Yeah, uh, I, I would say uh, you mentioned something really crucial, which is uh, masters of skill. Yeah. So this guy is uh, uh, like from his conversations on, with entrepreneurs on how to scale businesses, right? This guy and, and some of the books that he written yeah. in the past, yeah. like Blitz Scaling, uh, one of the books he read. He's, uh, he's pretty, um, I, I would say pretty good at scaling businesses, I would say. So like um, one thing in common, like uh, between all the, PayPal Mafia, people in PayPal Mafia, is that they are very clear on what to do when it comes to scaling. Mm. So, and and um, when they have that technological um, knowledge at, uh, or rather like uh, that unfair advantage yeah. right, in their yeah. relevant fields, they apply, they have that expertise and um, that thirst to scale. Yeah. So that's why they are able to build uh, things that are very far off left, you know, far off right and um, something uh, that um, products or companies that really impact uh, the world because what they truly address is a need for something and right. I, I would say like social media is yeah, um, yeah. social media at that point like coming back to like uh, LinkedIn right at its heart like uh, it's social media for um, professional people correct Yeah. so it's just kind of sad that it took like a very cringe turn <laughs> Well, but, that's why he sold it to Microsoft, right? Was it yeah. Microsoft? yeah, so Microsoft's like, like the, the the guys who are collecting stuff like that. Like recently, they they bought over Activision Blizzard. So yeah, yeah, and then I think a while back, who did they buy? They bought GitHub as well. Yeah, uh, they bought. Uh, I think even before that, I can't remember what it was, but they're known for all these kind of odd acquisitions. Now, <laughs> yeah. But that's Microsoft. Um, but when you talk about scaling, right? What are the ingredients that you see? Like the commonality? What are like the key, I don't know, factors you need in order to scale when you when you read all these books and you learn from them? I can't really, I can't really, um, on top of my head, right, I can't really name, like, um, what's important and what's not because, like, it's a very, it's a very multifaceted kind of thing like, right, where right, you have, right. like, a lot of different elements. Sometimes you need the right people. Sometimes you need the right tools, the right, um, like, even when it comes to tech, right, you know, you have to hire people who know the right languages to actually mm. execute the code. Correct. So, like, it all depends on your, I would say, like, um, focus on um, solving the problem. Because, like, most of the time when you have a problem um, and that you wish to address, you would, you know, tear your head out to find yeah. the fastest path to actually achieve that. And that's where, like, uh, the scaling comes in, I think. Right, right. But for like, uh, in terms of like um, investing, right? Like, I, w- I would say like most of the time, like I like companies like uh, that are very vertically integrated. So okay. like the Apples, the Amazons, you know. The, the when, you, when you say vertically in- integrated, what you're saying is that they have control over the supply of some of their, the, the raw, either the raw materials or whatever of their products. Is that right? Well, uh, it doesn't really have to be like the raw materials. Right. Like, say yeah, like course, Tesla, yeah. they yeah. don't they don't mine their own nickel. They of don't course. mine, but they have like a pipeline yeah. to build the robots that builds the cars. And that's why they're going to batteries as well. Yeah, exactly. Like that, right? That's why they are able to like scale because they have they 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 are able to automate hmm. uh, a lot of these um, physical processes, right. which is like a marvel, you know. And then um, like same thing goes for Apple, you know. They uh, they come up with phones every two to three years. They have to refresh their supply line every two to three years. But uh, they manage to keep the, the the supply going, despite like the semiconductor shortage and everything. And that's because they have like a very vertical, um, vertically integrated pipeline where they have like control over the production. They design the chips they, as well. They design the chips. Uh, that that's kind of like uh, 
something from 2021, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is like M1 very one. recent. But yeah. that's that's vertical. That's a good example of like vertical integration. Right. So let's let's go into Tesla, right? Um, I think we brought on three. You you'll be the fourth. Uh, you know. Can I say fan? Uh, fan yeah, fanboy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that in an insulting way or anything. I mean, like, it, it, it's a fact. Lah. So uh, what was the case uh, for for Tesla? Because I, I've heard several, right? Um, one, um, uh, they have sort of like an AI automation advantage. Another one is that, uh, of course, there's Elon, right? Then another group of people say that competitions are just so far behind. And another group is saying, no, they're into energy. That's why, you know, they're really good, right? Yeah, the car might be commoditized, but it's the energy business. That's that's the one that's really good. Then I also hear people saying things like, well, you know, when they do AI on, on the cars, right, then, then now they can like go into the insurance business because now they can calculate uh, premiums and, and whatnot correctly. Yeah. What, what, what would be like your biggest case for Tesla? Because I'm hearing a lot of different... Uh, POVs la, for, for, from Tesla fans. Obviously, there's also the, the negative POVs, but just on the positive side, right, what, what, what's the case? Well, I think in essence, right, um, Tesla is a kind of like an energy company. Mm. So what they're doing is like to transition um, cars to like uh, electric. Mm. So uh, a lot of people will argue to say that, you know, um, well, your your power generators are all kind of like powered by coal, powered by gas. You know, that's the ESG gang, right? Yeah, and I and undeniably, you know, um, energy is majority supplied by by uh, coal, by gas, natural gas nowadays. Yeah. You know, there, there's no escaping it. Yeah. But what um, Elon did, right, was basically unlock a very key component. When your car does not need to be fueled with um, petrol so basically you open and, and uh, you charge your your electric vehicle with like um, electric at home so there's less dependence on um, petrol mm. and um, fossil fuels basically yep. so that opens up um, options for the energy provider to go into renewable sources right yeah, but like in the grand scheme of things, right? I'm not really say against the use of fossil fuels. I don't believe uh, fossil fuels are um, like running evil, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just um, things that progress the human race. Yeah, because without petrol, you don't have the plastic revolution. Yeah, you don't have roads actually. Yeah, exa be exactly. Human, be human and all that. Exactly. So uh, it's something that's crucial. It will be here for the foreseeable right, future. Right, right, right. But um, what's important here is that Elon unlocked the possibility of more sustainable energy sources, right. nuclear, um, you know, wind and uh, hydropower. Right. You know, th those are sources that um, can be, can be, um, uh, those are sources that can be, you know, explored and yeah. uh, something that's reliable. Right. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like the, the whole renewable thing, I, I guess he has to say it because, I guess it's in a way easier to get investors, right? When you, <laughs> especially yeah, in this sort like of climate. But I mean, from the business perspective, I, I've always wanted to ask a Tesla shareholder. So I mean, in context, I think I owned Tesla for like a brief period. Then I I, I didn't hold it for long. Not because I didn't believe it, believe in it. Yeah. I consider Tesla as like a too hard power. Meaning, uh, you know, if you if you read Warren Buffett or Charlie, for me, I, I don't know. I, I can't figure out, right? Uh, my, my position is always 
with Tesla, right? I will I will never bet against Elon. Um, and he has my moral support, but I don't know about financial support. That's a second secondary question because I, I right. want him to succeed, right? No matter what. So I mean, but specifically, what, what I find interesting is that the biggest uh, criticism, not really a criticism, but the biggest risk that has ever been highlighted on Tesla is actually from Elon himself. I This was, I think, three to four months ago. I saw a clip of him highlighting this risk. And he said that, um, you know, the tech is all good. Uh, the renewable part, the, the production, they've done a great job, especially when you compare in 2018 when they went bankrupt. There's a whole story of Elon sleeping on the and he said the biggest challenge right is that um for a car company in a, in a historical car company right uh so your chrysler's fiat toyotas or whatever the way they make money is in the uh the warranty market so the uh what's the word called the, the spare parts yeah right 80 percent of the f- fleet of a typical traditional ice vehicle the, the total fleet is uh, f- more than five years old, i.e. they now can have to spend on parts or huh? they cannot rely on the warranties. So he was saying that's how they make the whatever thin margins automobile companies make. Yeah. Now with electric vehicles, uh, that is not present anymore because uh, certainly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the components, right, is going to be less yeah. uh, elaborate. Now it's just electronic, it's chips, ma, right? Yes. And you don't, I, I, again, I, I'm not sure, I'm not, uh, no, I don't know Tesla, but I, I don't know how often you have to change the chips to to maintain it, but it's not going to cost as much as, you know, your your ice car la, yeah. for repair, right? Definitely. Uh, Like recently I've been honing into, because like uh, I've been, my car's been like um breaking down, so I have to go yeah. for service and stuff like that. It and then, happens. Right? Uh, yeah. how, how old is it? Is it more than five years already? No, no, no. It's like uh, four years. That's crazy. Okay. Anyway, I continue. But uh, um, so I, I brought it for service and stuff like that. So and then I realized I have to change my tires and stuff yeah. like that. So there's a lot. And that's of how they make money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. And um, you know, uh, like say like Honda, or Toyota, yeah. they have this um service scheme where you have you you basically have to follow like every ten thousand kilometers or six months you have to go back for service and that's really how they make money. You know, they force you to come back to service and change out parts that you actually don't need to. Right. right? So on on the on that point. So you know, say in the episode on this, there needs to be a new way for yeah, exactly. the cars to make money, right? Yeah. And he brought up, right, that is why, right, we have to be leaders in AI and automation. Exactly. Now, here's the interesting bit. If you look at automobile uh, history, what we realize, right, the trend, what I realize at least is that, so America will come out with the, the car and then some Asian country, right, will come in, do the same thing, same quality, but like half the price, right? Yeah. And because the manufacturing for a whole host of other reasons. So when he mentioned AI and, and automation, I thought that was very interesting because that's a very honest assessment of Tesla. Yes. And then I think of, right, he just opened the Shanghai factory in, you know, in China. And, you know, the Chinese are kings for AI and automation. I mean, I wouldn't say kings, but they are making waves, right? Yeah. I Me, mean, if you're in engineering, you know. So I guess, I know it's a very long question, but how... Will you respond to that question? Because that's something I always wanted to to know, right? I, I have no skin in the game, but I just really wanted to know what a, does a Tesla uh, investor think of this risk that Elon himself highlighted? Well, I think uh, he highlighted like a really crucial part because yeah. like that that basically keeps like um, 
they they hold money coming in passively right for 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 every car that you sell correct so in this form that's why uh why elon mentioned that they have to be leaders in automation and ai is because uh, this is where all the Tesla insurance come in. Mm. This is where the FSD come in, the full self-driving ah, stuff like that. So this is the level five yeah, uh, self-driving. Right? Okay, okay. So uh, if you're not aware, um, they actually sell their full self-driving software separately. Oh. So so what happens is like you can actually subscribe to, uh, it's like a software, basically. It is mm. a software, right, basically. It reminds me of that BMW car seating heat. I don't know if you saw recently in the news. BMW for the electric cars, you can actually pay for a subscription for oh. heating the cars. That's the crazy. Car seat. Yeah. That's so crazy. Anyway, yes, continue. Yes. Uh, but um, uh, I would say like um, yeah, you know, BMW is a bit crazy for doing that yeah, because yeah. like Tesla does that. It comes with the car basic yeah. stuff. You know? But um, uh, the software itself, like full self driving, not many, not everyone would want it. You know. But then for the people who want it, you can opt in. And then uh, you pay like a subscription. So that's kind of like where the passive income comes in for right. Tesla. For every car that they sell, they still get to generate more income. Interesting. And that's kind of like why also, right? They are very, um, like Tesla in particular, I'm not sure if you've seen like um, reviews or like uh, yeah, critics yeah. right, saying that they, they, they don't have like the right to actually um, service the car. Okay. They basically have to service the car with Tesla. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's why like Elon's like um, keeping it with him. He's not letting people service their um, Teslas, like how Apple doesn't let people service their iPhones. It's that whole, like they're kind of like bypassing the the whole mechanic industry in a way, right? Like yeah. in Malaysia, you, they're they are like Toyota, but they're not Toyota mechanics, right? They're yeah, like people they're like who the, can the service independent, Toyota. Independent guys. I see. So he will have to design the car in a way that only he can fix it lah. Kind right. of, I mean, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is possible that he designed the car right. like that, but it's kind of like Apple in a sense, you know. Uh, even if the you bring to some some guy in a Nokia shop, you know, uh, by the road, he can also repair the same thing. Yeah, but then um, will be as good, lah, Of course, uh, and the parts will be genuine, lah, Right. So that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of okay. like same thing with Apple, basically. Apple and the service. So let's go into the AI portion of the discussion then, because. Um, again, I'm not an expert, but I do know the thing about AI, and of course, as an engineer, please correct me, right? Is that the uh, you need a lot of data, and it's a very like brute force way of of learning, right? Yes. Machine, uh, we call it machine learning, all these cool words, but really, it's just like iteration after iteration. Yeah. And exactly. does this mean that they will have superiority only in certain geographies? Because, um. How are you gonna get the same kind of data in China? Will you be allowed to to do that, right? If I yeah, mean, it depends on like um, I would say like there's many aspects right, as right, to right. how they work towards this because like if uh, we're talking strictly about image recognition, mm. so you can identify what's a car, what's a human, you know, and humans are kind of the same everywhere. Cars yeah. are kind of the same everywhere. Yeah, and trucks are the Unless same. Unless it's everywhere. like Halloween and it dresses. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. That would be quite dangerous uh, on the streets of California. You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. But um, I do get your point about like yeah, yeah. Uh, different geographical locations yep. because like different countries, you will have different sets of rules that um, you know, some cars drive from the left, some cars drive from the right. Uh, some cars, you know, uh, some countries you can turn left, turn left on red. You know, some yeah. you can't left uh, side, right side of the road, things like that. But I would say they are quite experienced because, like, okay, um, okay. the best place to actually do this right, is actually freaking America. Yeah, because America has like fifty states. There's like fifty countries there. 
every country has a different government. They have different rules. Some states you can do this, some states you cannot. And that also applies to their traffic situation. So right. uh, in a sense, you know, they also have like the full spectrum in terms of like uh, climate. They have the yes, cold climate. Yes, yes. Then we go down south, you have like um, the, the, the tropics. Yeah, Midwest, so, hurricanes. Yeah. Exactly. So um, it's the best place to be uh, collecting data for them. Right, right. So uh, I, I was just thinking about this. So if that would be local to the US, and of course the US market so is very big already. But when they go to other countries, how do they, I guess, I don't know the right word, replicate this? Well, uh, okay. the underlying um, AI, the, it, it has, uh, when the finished product, right, it will yep. contain set of like um, algorithms or rules to say right. Right, what you can do, what you cannot do. So those are things that are fundamental to the full self-driving. And then like uh, when you go to different countries, uh, there will be different set of rules to obey the traffic. Yep. Uh, okay. the, the 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 whole um traffic situation. Then I guess they they'll find like the state that has like the most similar. No, they will just um recode everything, uh, and then uh they will slowly collect data. Okay, and then uh from there they retrain the model, and then they improve the model from there. So it's like a it's it from thing. scratch kind of uh, mentality, like in a way. Not to say not, it really not. starts from scratch, uh, but um uh I would say like it's just like um improving uh, or adapting to the place. The AI will actually okay. adapt right. to the place with, it new, with, uh, with, with its new um, rules and stuff like that. So that's how it evolves. So how about the question about this? Uh, I'm sure you've gotten this before, like the charging situation, because um, to pump petrol, it's 30 seconds a minute. Yeah. Charging, you know, I mean, Overnight. A, a phone itself really takes like, even if you get the really good charger from zero to hundred is like an hour, maybe. Yeah, that's definitely like, uh, I, I'm going to be critical. Uh, I would say like, that's one part that electric vehicles still have to improve. Yeah. Because like, um, in terms of range, I don't think um, it loses out in terms of range. But when it comes to like um, recharging, then, you know, you have to go to like a supercharger uh, to recharge or you have to plug in. If you forget to plug in at home, then you're dead. Right. Or you can only go to places with um, uh, electric uh, charges. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of restricting in that way, which I think like um, in the future, definitely uh, uh, as they improve the battery capacity, they improve um, the the charging speed, yeah. you know, that's uh, stuff like that. Um, it will definitely become more advanced and uh, more on par with like um, what we have with like Gas vehicles. I mean, since you're in uh, in the engineering space, then I have to ask you this whole idea of Wi-Fi charging. Is this a <laughs> like? I mean, if because if if five G comes through or six G, whatever it is, I do know that the towers need to be closer to each other. Like they have to build yeah way more than whatever four G or three G is producing, right? Definitely. So, do you think it's feasible for Wi-Fi charging? In other words we may never have to charge the car anymore because we are charging while we are driving. Well, yeah. Uh, Is that even possible? I don't know. It's a wild, uh, wild idea. I think in like uh, the Northern Europe countries, right? they are embarking on projects to actually charge electric vehicles wirelessly while on the road. That's crazy, but it yeah. sounds very expensive. Yeah, it's, it is expensive, you know, yeah. and also it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, crazy, you know, because you would have to put charges all around town, you know, yeah. you have, every time when you build roads, you have right, to put right. in your, uh, or like you want to upgrade certain towns, you know, you have to dig up all the roads, it's crazy. Right. Okay, well, but uh, so what, um, I guess worries you have with Tesla, because I, I 
you know, obviously you 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 have a lot of positive views on it, but is there something that kind of worries you that um you always kind of have to check to make sure that they don't fall behind or whatever? Uh, uh, if you ask me whether I'm concerned about Tesla at its current state, probably no. But um, for, as an investor, I do look out for execution. So like, you know, uh, Elon tends to overpromise a lot. Mm, mm. So like, um, but then he delivers. Uh, eventually, even if it's yeah. eventually, you yeah. Know, that, yeah. That's that's like uh, the famous quote out there, right? So um, as an investor, as a Tesla investor, I think it's pretty um, important to be critically um, honest with yourself. Yep. And then um, check for execution. Right. So like, let's say um, what they did with AI Day, right? So AI Day, they basically said um, they are going to build this robot. So that's going to be like uh, something that happens 10, 20 years down the road. But we can already see in the, uh, that they are hiring a lot, a lot of AI guys, AI people. So number one, that's like uh, human resources there. Uh, first step taken. So I'll, I'll, call, that, uh, I'll call that like uh, execution. You know? Right. Right. So, I mean, before I move on to the next talk, right? I, I think this is important. Uh, this is a chance for you to tell our listeners. What do you think that what what are some of the few things that people should stop saying about Tesla? So I guess one would be Tesla is just a car company, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I think that it is predominantly a car company, but to say that it is just a car company, I think that's false, right? Oh, uh, uh, they, they are evolving. They yeah. are evolving. They started off as a car company, definitely. Right. But now they are headed towards uh, renewables, headed towards uh, AI, you know. Right. So what, well, are there, what are some things that you think people should just stop saying about? Nah, like, I, I don't have like, say, pet peeves. Okay, no pet yeah, peeves. Uh, like, okay. say whatever you Fantastic. want, guys. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so uh, you know what? I I have a plantain next, but I think we'll leave that. Uh, we'll give Aaron some chance on that. Right? We'll let Aaron share his thoughts. Uh, the next one is actually uh, Square. Square? Right? Oh, yeah. Square, right? That, I mean, if you are a shareholder in the past year, quite... Yeah, I was I was a shareholder. Uh, it has been quite painful, and um, I, I guess you exited it, right? Um, <laughs> like, why why is that? Uh, what what made you change your mind? Well, um, basically, it's a red ocean. Mm. The industry fintech is a red ocean. So, like, um, I was I was fascinated with like what they were doing because, like, um, you know, what they had on the side on top of like um, Venmo was right. like kind of like a Bitcoin custodial wallet thing going yep, on yep. so that's kind of like for malaysian listeners that's kind of like luno mm, mm, mm. so they had like a luno and a paypal combined yep so that's it's um quite um i would say like for the crypto community that's quite the thing yeah because like um you know uh on top of that like he he's also enabling merchants to be paid in or, or um, right receive things and like uh reserve crypto so that's that's like a really good innovation by jack dorsey Right. But like, uh, there's a f- couple reasons why I sold up. Uh, but the biggest reason was like the space is just a red ocean at this mm. point because like, you know, you have like bigger players like PayPal, and then um, more traditionally you have the banks. They are hopping on like the train, you know, of like uh, going digital, digital wallets, and then um, more uh, into the future you have like crypto wallets. So um, in a sense, like um, fintech. All this, like if you uh, collectively call it fintech, it's quite 
crowded and there's like no clear winner as to like who has like the real dominant um, position in the industry. How do you think that the industry can reach that, can reach the credit card kind of situation? Because in credit card, there is a duopoly or maybe a triopoly, right? Visa, MasterCard. Yeah. Uh, I guess that is probably something that you much prefer to see in this space. Yes, as, exactly. Right. And what needs to happen? Uh, like, how, or rather, how do you think that's going to happen? Well, I would say like for finance, because of um, the nature of like cryptocurrencies, right? It's quite impossible to become a sole player in the space anymore. Mm, fair enough. So, so like it's all decentralized in the end. So, um, there's it, it will not matter who's bigger or who's like uh, smaller because in the end of the, um, you know, you all go back to the same network. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but then um, the question becomes which network you want to be on. Yeah. So, like for me personally, I like uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, and uh, right. that's about it. Right. And so, yeah, we'll talk about crypto right later on. So, um, okay. Now, going back to uh, Elon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know one guy, a very uh, one company you're very interested in is uh, Starlink. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I actually have not done any work on it. So, maybe for a complete new, what, what is Starlink? What are they trying to achieve? And why are you excited about it? So um, Starlink is basically a spin-off or subsidiary, you like to call it, uh, of SpaceX. Mm. So SpaceX uh, launches their rockets and then they release satellites, which are Starlink. Okay. So these satellites provide internet. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. To whoever in the world or wherever they can reach. I see. So it's basically uh, an internet service provider By that's space. global. Right. So it does not matter whether you are TM or Verizon or like whoever. Right. Your competition will be Elon. Ah. He's coming. So what is... Okay, so... But what's the status right now? Because uh, you mean one satellite can do it for the whole world already? No, no. You, no. They, 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 I'm not exactly um, sure on the tech as well. Okay, okay, sure. So, but um, it takes like four satellites to reliably um, provide a set amount of area on uh, on Earth. Okay. Um, stable um, satellite, or stable internet connection. Right. On, a, on an uh, engineering front, right, how does it stack up to your undersea cables, your fiber optics? Uh, in terms of because at the end of the day, the con- what the consumer wants, right? Speed, reliability, make sure it's stable, doesn't DC things like that. Yeah, uh, I would say here here's the 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 fun part lah. I would say um the the competition. Wow, wow, I just say that the competition is coming, but I'm I don't mean for uh the competition is coming for the places which are already developed with, uh these fiber uh, with the infrastructure. Okay. Because like okay. this market is quite big. Yeah. And like when you need to build um, physical infrastructure for things like this, and uh, on top of that, you know, people are really talking about 5G. You know, um, you know, the internet service providers, they are, they are very busy with like upgrading infrastructure instead of like uh, expanding into new territories. So to the point where 50% of the world, I'm not sure like of uh, how accurate this statistics is, but um, this is from like um, what people... Who talk about Starlink always say, but um, 50% of the world 
still doesn't have access to internet. Okay. So these uh, um, ISPs or internet service providers, they are not uh, physically present in these 50% of the world. And that's where starting comes in. And right. that's 50% for the taking. So I guess the follow, my follow-up question would be, I mean, typically when it comes to the internet and telcos, it's very, uh, government wants control, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And they're not going to let, uh, or at least I would assume they will be very wary of letting, you know, uh, you know, a finger trigger happy Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, Madman. Mad, yeah, Madman control the, the internet, right? So yeah. how do you... What he, I, I, that doesn't mean that he, he can't go into the business, but certainly that will be an obstacle, right? Do you yeah. have a response to that? Well, I would say um, it depends on like uh, how neutral um, Elon can be in terms of it, like uh, the, the data mm. that goes through his satellites. He has to be like completely neutral to be able to earn the trust of like all the governments around the world. Right, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, out the top of my head, he could probably be a a backup for, for people rather than the main one. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, that actually happened in the Ukraine war. Yes, yes. I remember that, yeah. right? He, he actually provided uh, internet for... But um, that's that's um, what I like to call proof of concept. Basically, yeah, yeah. he can deploy the satellites as he um, likes at exactly where he wants whenever he needs it, you know? So that that's like um, proof of concept, uh. Right, he he's a Iron Man. I, actually, you know, <laughs> now that you mentioned this, right? I remember Google a while back coming up with Wi-Fi hot air balloons. I don't know if you remember these videos. No, I don't. They wanted to, they, <laughs> yeah, they were in in Google. Uh, like, sorry, in India, I think they were testing this out. They were like, what was it? Amazon, one of those two uh, Google. They were just throwing hot air balloon Wi-Fi. <laughs> so maybe you know, competition like, uh, for Starlink or balloon. I guess so. I balloons. Know. <laughs> uh, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um, now I want to go into uh, uh, the crypto and metaverse. And yeah. just before that, I think maybe uh, give us a case of like why is the metaverse going to be a, a big thing. And we'll right. talk about Unity right after that, because they're, you know. Yeah. Right. So why why what is the case for the metaverse? Well, um the thing with like metaverse for me personally, right, right, right. is about is a case for better visualization in terms mm. of like uh, graphics. Yep. Yep. So um, you know, um playing games, you know, growing up, you always play in like 2D. And then slowly, you know, nowadays VR. you have like 3D and then uh, it's the natural progression um, to go into VR. And then it's probably the next step because that's kind of like the 4D thing going on. Even like um, the people from like Instagram or like Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg himself, he said this, like when he invented Facebook, it was um, just posting text. So that was like um, 1D, right? And then slowly you add in more elements like videos images things images like so images is kind of like a 2d moment for him and then uh you add in videos that's the 3d 3d moment for him so that's kind of like um you add on like progressively a layer of sensory uh, for the people because like reading text you don't get like that sensory hit but then um you you when you like listen to a song you get that different um sensory uh information but from a music and then from text right that's from on your eyes on your ears and then when you go into like videos 
it's both. So the 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 information that you absorb is double. That's why, that's why videos are always like easier to consume yeah, than exactly. reading blog posts. Yeah, exactly. So um, I would say like that's the natural progression of like uh, social media in a sense because like you when you add on like an extra layer of like um, sensory information on your brain, people would be naturally more um, would be more. Uh, would absorb more information because like you will feel when you feel things like a uh, touch or like um or like a uh, 3d you know um it's different you know so um that's uh what i guess um the so-called metaverse is going for so like specifically with unity yeah right uh, are you still a shareholder or <laughs> actually so right 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 and and is, is is it similar to square where like you don't know who's the winner no it's a totally different reason. It's a totally different reason. It's just, I don't think uh, the TAM is like uh, the total addressable market is for strong metaverse. enough. Really? No, not not uh, not for the metaverse, but for the, um, uh, for Unity. So like, let me ask you a question, right? Uh, in terms, when you talk about like game development, yeah. so there are um, parties like the gamers, the players, and then there's like uh, the people who provide the game engine. So right. things like Unreal Engine, yep, yep. Unity, and then there's also the game developers. So uh, among these three um, groups, right, who actually um, profits the most? If I'm not mistaken, the developers. Yeah. So it's kind of like, so buying Unity in a sense is kind of like uh, buying the, sh- the shovel instead, uh, the pig instead right, of the shovel. Right, so. right. Do you see the latest Unreal 5? Uh, well, there's no competition, man. I It's real life. It's actually real <laughs> life. It's, it, I saw the BMW of... Yeah, it's real life. I show my friends, say, oh, a nice car. I say, no, it's, it's not an actual car. It's <laughs> fake car. Huh? It's crazy, good. Yeah, I saw then the raindrop. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know which PC is going to be able to take that. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, that, that, that would be interesting. But uh, then why not? Uh, why not? You know, by, if, by, if, by. if Unity is too small, or at least it's only like a portion of the metaverse, why not Meta itself, Facebook? Yeah, I'm actually considering Meta. Okay. So it's on my watch list. Right. But I want to see some execution. Right. First, before I make a position. Because like, I I have no doubt that um, Mark Zuckerberg can make it happen. Because like, he saw this five, ten years ago. Yeah. Like, like, he was preparing for it, you know. Right. Like, and, and he has a hun- a nine, close to like 100% um, dominance in the VR um, coding like With all the tech Oculus you know, la, right? the Oculus exactly right I mean he is known to be to buy like dominant like winner tech all kind of company like Instagram uh, WhatsApp yeah uh, is there others yeah, I think those are the those are two big ones pitch, pitch, yeah and I know I know he's a really good investor in that sense because WhatsApp uh, has been so bad for 10 years <laughs> it, it has not improved no. But when you actually uh, survey, do you have WhatsApp or Telegram or do you check WhatsApp more or Telegram more? Yeah, the people, vast majority of people say WhatsApp. It's, yeah. it's just mind-boggling. And it's so bad now. I don't know if you noticed this, right? Do you use WhatsApp on your desktop? <laughs> so the desktop one, you know, when you type, so it appears there. Then when you go back to your phone, right, they have to like keep uh, like how to put it? It's like lagging, you know. Yeah, yeah. It there's like this time lag, and there's no such thing on Telegram. Yeah, and I'm like, but people see before WhatsApp. It's it's amazing. It's momentum, uh, Yeah, and and yeah. So specific to uh, uh, Facebook, right? Um, 
do you think that their whole entry into the metaverse is very uh it's a bit too extreme right all the way from the what, the 20 billion capex a year and the renaming yeah uh no i think i think right. he's uh, pulling the right move right because like um obviously i kind of like feel uh, a lot of people would disagree with me but right, like right, social right. media has evolved enough not to say like it won't evolve in the future but i would say like I think with the, TikTok the, is devolving uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know because it, I'm devolving, so my mind is devolving every night watching TikTok. <laughs> but yeah, okay. It's okay, kind of I like see where coming from. It's kind of it's kind of like um, innovation is no longer exciting in this space anymore because you know um, it's social media company after social media company. You've got like the Pinterest, and then you've got like um, Snapchat. Now it's TikTok, you know. And all of them, they comp- put a, put up a chart saying that TikTok in the first five years earned more than Meta and the, and their first ten years and stuff like that. You know, which was well, true, but like uh, at that point, it's this is because of like how um how much of like um mobile phone penetration right. that like um nowadays TikTok have versus uh, Facebook. So it's a different game that they're playing. You right. Know? But um going back to the point of like social media, I don't think like uh I mean. It's at heart, right? Social media serves the purpose of like connecting people online. So, you know, it uh, doesn't matter like uh, which community, say like uh, the professional one, you have LinkedIn and then you have like, uh, you know, Facebook, you got like the TikTokers and stuff like that. So, and, and the YouTubers, they make content and stuff like that. But like, that's kind of like, um, you know, it, it's getting stagnant in a way. Like, mm. I, I can't really explain like how, why, but like, um, I feel it's getting a bit stagnant. And then like, I also feel that, you know, um, we need like the next, uh, we kind of like need the next big thing for social media because, um, and uh, that's where like Mark Zuckerberg really understands because like of the whole um, sensory thing because he 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 kickstarted the whole Instagram thing, you know, and then uh, he, he added also first to add videos onto like Instagram. It's just that TikTok took it, made yeah. it better. As usual, it's the same story. Yeah. America creates something and China makes yeah. it better. Yeah, but um, innovation always comes from from uh, correct. Like, 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 uh, but in terms of like social media, it's Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, it's Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, like uh, that's kind of like why like uh, I think he's headed towards the, the the right direction. Even if like the pivot was kind of like shocking, yeah. he had to name rename his company to Meta. He had to throw like twenty billion into into a loss making yeah. um, kind of thing. But if you go to like uh, America and you ask like use nowadays, they do use Oculus a lot. They do use radio. Like, mm. So it's like, it's like something what the cool kids would have, like kind of like what um, PS one and two yeah. is for us. Yeah. So like, like when it has that kind of status, right. Right. Uh, within the youth, it will grow into something that's like really, uh, it sticks with the youth, you know. When they grow up, and uh, they will have this Oculus. It's the re- Ready Player One uh, thing, uh, right? The, yeah. the movie. But like, uh, going into like, uh, you know, whether it's like suitable for work and stuff like that, I don't know. Well, yeah. I'll let him figure it out. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the big challenge now is the, uh, specifically for Oculus, is that motion sickness thing. I yeah, think exactly. People find that quite challenging. No, I, I wouldn't be able to use an Oculus. 
I, I, I tried using it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, not, it's not that fun. Uh. Which, which, which brings into the next, uh, because the one thing to solve this motion sickness or whatever, is actually AR, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, have you done uh, like research on, on AR? Wow, um, uh, I mean, I dabbled a bit, but okay, I'm not not an expert. Yeah. anything. okay, fine. Then 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 we can uh, we can uh, we can move on. So like, I think, you know, like the next part linked to this whole metaverse thing is definitely crypto, right? Yeah. Um, is the is the case for crypto as simple as? I mean, do you have divergent opinions on the typical case for crypto? Because I think a lot of people know the case, right? It's decentralized. The Federal yeah. Reserve cannot ma- manipulate it. Um, you know, we're going to pump this sort of money printing and, you know, Bitcoin's yeah. going to go up. It's a better payment system, things like that. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, pretty much the, the usual story for me. Right. Um, but I guess I can explain my rationale why I only hold... Um, the Ethereum and the, the uh, grandfather coins. Are yeah, like the grandfather. Yeah, boomer coins. Are yeah, basically. yeah. I mean, uh, nothing wrong with like uh, wanting to hold all coins. I think uh, they do make like really good um, so-called moonshot positions. Yeah. So uh, sometimes you know, like you never know Dogecoin return like a thousand x in a year, that kind of stuff. Yeah, my friend paid for his wedding thanks to Dogecoin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's wonderful, you know. Uh, yeah. But so, 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 his engagement ring. Sorry, not his wedding. Oh, but, but still, that, that's an yeah. achievement right there. Yeah, that, but it's it's a it's actually a, a huge Tiffany ring. But I'll tell you after the podcast, <laughs> after the record. Yeah. Oh, Tiffany, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the 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 thing is like why I only hold um I I'm by no means a, a very um sophisticated tech person. Right, 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 right. Because like I only know my field mm. and I know a bit of programming. I I won't claim because I I've never formally studied for it, but like uh, I do understand it on like uh, not to say surface, but like uh, a little bit more slightly advanced. Okay. Uh, but for crypto, you know, it's a very complicated field. Um, but uh, in terms of like why I hold just Bitcoin and Ethereum, the the arguments are basically the same for like uh, what you just mentioned for Bitcoin. It's uh, basically the best, um, most secure payment system. Most most importantly, it's immutable transfer. Yep which uh, Aaron likes to say a lot. Um, basically, nobody can stop you from uh, transferring money in and out. So that's a uh, plus. Um, and we've never really had anything like this uh, throughout the history of like humankind. So, um, and most importantly, right, because it operates through the internet, it's a currency that can be anywhere, anytime. So you don't have to like go through like governments, change your forex and stuff like that. So yeah. Uh, but that's Bitcoin. Uh. And then um, for Ethereum, the case is very, very simple. It's basically what you would have, uh, what if Bitcoin was programmable? Yep. So that's Ethereum. And uh, the underlying um, language for it is Solidity. So and um, I can go on and on. But basically the case for Ethereum is um, they are the first movers for programmable um, blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. So nowadays, like when you look at like um, the whole ecosystem, right, the DeFi's, the um, uh, stable coins and stuff like that, everything freaking runs on Ethereum. Not to say everything, but like I would say a good eighty percent of yeah. It. You know, some of it like five percent runs on Solana. You know, some like uh, other chains. You know, but um, the the chains that uh, the alt chains that um, particularly do well uh, are chains supporting Ethereum. Which I'm not surprised because, like, uh, say Polygon or like uh, what they call Matic, the the, yep. the uh, it's also like a side chain for Ethereum. 
and uh you know uh it's again like one of the the first few um movers advantage where you build up like a very huge ecosystem and then you have the first movers momentum mm-hmm. so going forward like even if like whatsapp is shit right i'm sorry yeah <laughs> no it's fine yeah uh whatsapp is like bad and then um you know your telegram is better but people still use whatsapp yeah because um the ecosystem is there people are like um, comfortable with it uh, it's going to be be the kind of like the same with ethereum fair enough fair enough so you know so you know like what we talk about about tesla and and the tech stocks and crypto now uh this year has been challenging right very, yeah. very challenging very challenging uh, and i do know you write a lot uh well, i wouldn't say a lot but you you do give your thoughts on like dealing with market crashes right yeah and there's this always this debate on should you be um holding cash to you know buy it when it's lower buy yeah. it when the dip or do you just stay fully invested all the time what, what are your thoughts about this like handling market crashes well me and uh Aaron, yep. uh we yep. did like a ep- an episode on like uh, our podcast yep. uh, ri21 but uh basically it's um called all in all, all in all in all in yeah okay so like uh it goes to prove uh it goes to like uh tell that we both yeah. are always invested right 100% okay so uh, I don't keep cash. Mm. The cash that I keep is basically for like um, daily use. Right. So um, if I can, you know, I would uh, pour more money into the, my holdings. But I don't believe in like um, keeping cash. Because like, um, frankly speaking, uh, this is just human psyche, right? No, no um, ill intentions. But like most of the time, if you hold like a um, big enough uh, position in cash, when the market crash, what I notice with people, right, is that they don't execute. They don't put the money in because they would say, I'm kind of scared or uh, I think the market will dip further. Yeah, true. And when the, by the time that they actually um, miss out on like the one day 20% spike or 10% spike, you know, it'll be too late. Because like there's actually this study done by like, I think it was like JP Morgan way back. Um, basically between um, a 10 year time frame, I can't remember exactly which one, but um, if you lose out on the 10 best days on the market, you miss out like half of the returns. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's why I, uh, I mean, uh, volatility is scary. You know, you hold on to it, you know, uh, you will see like, uh, you will also like ride the roller coaster down even if it's like uh, the biggest crash in history as, as usual. But, um, you know, uh, what people don't talk about is like the roller coaster also goes back up. Yeah. So uh, volatility kind of like works both ways. Yep. So uh, you, 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 you definitely want to miss the, the, the right down, but then uh, you, you don't want to miss the right up, which I think like uh, it goes back to the point of like uh, not, timing the market la. because like how how could you foresee uh something that's so fast you know it, it goes down has like a nice bounce how would you be able to foresee that you know? yeah yeah yeah. no one can yeah exactly no one can so like you know i just try to stay 100 percent invested dca when i can yeah i mean of course ideally of course if we can you know sell the top buy the bottom la, right uh buy low sell high right <laughs> but given that we can't i i do agree that uh you know, 
being fully invested in in good assets. Yeah, definitely. Right, definitely. Uh, is the way to go. And if you have and and if you have like active income, if you and it grows and whatever side hustle, uh, then you have even lesser excuses to not be fully invested. Yeah, exactly. Right, because technically your cash balance will keep increasing as a result of your income. Yes, and so you can play play around that sense. But I guess for a retiree, maybe a little bit different lah. They they can, they're probably at the stage where they don't need. Yeah, I, I would say like for people who retire, right, you don't yeah. need to take the risk anymore because yeah. like probably at that point in time, they, it's it's probably the time that you should be spending. Right, like uh, you know, you don't want to risk your retirement like that. Right, okay, um. I, I did find one uh, post that you talked about very fascinating, which is about Moore's Law. And I guess Moore's Law is uh, like underpins a lot of our discussion with, with tech, right? I mean, uh, yeah. it is because of that law or at least the discovery of that law that, uh, you know, we are seeing a lot of the growth that we're seeing today. Yeah, And of course, there are some concerns that with miniaturization, right? I mean, you have to start creating uh, subatomic products, you know, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. So, what, but why your why your thoughts? Because I I do know this is quite a big debate in the community, right? Because because of the word law. The yeah, I mean, is, I mean, people use the word law, yeah. right? And so people think it's like gravity. Like you drop the apple this way, it will always go one <laughs> because direction. Because of gravity, gravity because is gravity. law. Yeah, and it's a law, right? Yeah. Newton's law or whoever's law, right? So, what what are your thoughts about Moore's law? Because right now, at least, uh, because we I look at. Uh, TSMC data quite a bit and, and, and the chip company because I'm invested in companies that are linked to these chips yeah. chip makers and they're already at I want to say 3 nanometer already yeah and I think so. it's a matter of time where they hit 1 or I don't know what's the next one it's always like 7, 5, 3 and then yeah 1 are the next yeah. one and then after 1 it's like what 0. 0.3 I don't know I mean, um, for for this right, like Moore's law, basically, kind of like it, it's kind of like a law for the semiconductor industry. Correct. So it basically states that um, I can't remember exactly the law, but uh, for the same amount of price, you are able to put in more transistors or yep. exactly double the transistors yep. into the same machine for the same amount yep. of price in like a given time frame. Yep. yep. And then um, this. It's all good when um, there's a lot of room for improvement. Mm. So, like what you just mentioned just now, they have to start going subatomic. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh that's really difficult. But like when you are talking about like going from um seventy nanometer to three thirty nanometer, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, yeah that's easy. You know, and uh uh the the law holds true during the early stages of like the 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 um kind of like improvement because like these improvements right tend to happen in like a curve uh, exponential curve so um i think uh this idea was like brought forward by um a arc invest analyst where they say most law is dead which i totally agree and uh the better law to like kind of like uh, govern or all this exponential um performance increase and like um cost declines is rights law what rights law okay. yeah but um basically like uh, most law it does hold true in the early years where like uh, innovation was still kind of like easy compared to today because like for what we are doing today is like pushing limits to like the, the real limits but at that point of time when um, during our ancestors like they were pushing they were going from like 30, 30 to like 10 nanometer or like 70 100 to like 70 
you know, uh, there was a lot of room for them to improve and uh, it was not hard, you know. But as the years go by, the innovation uh, gets like more and more difficult because like, you have to go into nanotechnology already of course. At, at, this, at this point. At that point, right, they, you still can see with your eyes and all that. Um, and and yeah, you know, if you ask me like um, whether the semiconducting uh, conductors uh, nowadays, the computer chips, right, they are doing um, good at this front. I, I won't say they're doing any good like uh, because like for NVIDIA, um, while they are like, um, you know, industry um, leaders in GPUs, uh, graphical uh, processing units, um, what they're doing is basically doubling the the energy usage. Yep. So they have like double the transistors, but they also double the energy use. So what's the point? Right? Yeah. That, that's like, that's like, um, that's not efficient at all from an engineering point of view. Right. So, uh, like nowadays when you play a game, you actually make a difference with like a, say an RTX 3090, right? You actually make a difference to the house um, electric bills. You oh, actually yeah. do. Yeah. But like uh, those days, like GTX 1080 TS, you know, that was like the performance king. You know, you get like good performance for like optimal power usage, you know. Um, but yeah. So what is Wright's law? So basically Wright's law is like for every like... Um, cumulative amount of like um, products that you produce for the certain thing, you are able to kind of like reduce the cost. Okay. Uh, and then uh, that that's kind of like um, natural law, right? Like with skill, you can, you can kind of like reduce the expenses. But then uh, what's different here is that like some company, some products, they are able to execute um, this cost decline by like a next level, like a, you know, uh, exponentially, they can reduce the cost decline because thanks to technology. When you save time, you know, when you save, like, uh, simplify certain processes, um, that becomes, like, uh, money that, uh, or, you know, savings that the, the company takes on. Right. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. Uh, so, so we are at three nanometers now. Then we approach we we approach zero, right? We we asymptote the thing, right? Yeah. So, um, is it going to be the case where essentially we will stop at a certain size, and that we will have to find a different way to cut costs? Are we going to stagnate like that? Like, what's the what are the at least in your reading? What are the brightest mind thinking of like? The, the different creative ways they can work around this. Because at, at, at some point, they will approach very close to zero. And like I said, we have to go subatomic. I mean, unless I'm wrong, maybe there is already subatomic. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know, like quantum mechanics yeah, quantum. or whatever, right? Yeah. We, we, we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And like, but are we, is that the likely scenario? Because that seems to be the uh, the osmosis right now, right? We, yeah. we are going to reach a point where that TSMC is going to just build the same uh, chips for the next 30 years the exact same one Where, whereas now like every three five years they introduce a new one i mean like um if you now you mentioned this right so tm tmsc they basically built like another fab in um arizona yes but uh, yeah. but this is like historically the first fab that they, they expanded this is too expensive yeah yeah so like uh building a fab is like a very dangerous um venture basically because like if you if you follow um the the semiconductor space you would actually understand like um i i mean i'm not an electrical engineer mm -hmm. but um i i do follow it a bit out of interest but uh 
from what I can see, right, like a lot of these um, uh, companies that set out to build um, fabs, right, uh, they fail. Yeah, it's very expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive. It's like what, crazy three expensive. to five billion. Yeah, I and mean Malaysia. Just to give you a sense, we have one called Dinex. Yes, and we lost ten billion ringgit before we started making profit. Yeah, that is exactly. And we're only doing like seventy hundred to seventy nanometers. I want to say something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. But um, the where were we again? Uh, like, what what is what what's the next step after we hit the the plateau? Do do because if if this ha- because okay look the context of Moore's law is that the march of uh tech is in one direction. Yes. Right. But if there is this limitation, all right. Yeah. Is the march going to stop? Are we going to just? Well, I stop? think like in terms of like the um. Uh, making things like going subatomic, right? Maybe right. it might happen, you know. Right. Because uh, like there's like a very um, huge movement in like a nanotechnology as well. It's one of the few um, fields that that's like getting really yeah. a lot of like attention as well. But um, so far, there's like no real public listed company that's like uh, uh, you know worth investing. I mean, so okay. I mean, the way they activate that uh, what's that the that CERN hadron collider thing. Oh, I don't know, man. It's, it's so expensive. It look, it looks expensive. It looks straight out of uh, like, it's like a plasma cannon, you know. <laughs> the, like the, you know, they they stole it from the Death Star or something like that. Yeah, so it's so expensive. Like how? Like I, I mean, okay, like, I, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously, maybe uh, put you on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm just genuinely interested to know, like, when does it? When I mean, does it like uh, for me, it's a philosophical question, right? At some point, like maybe someone would say that it's not worth to pursue, right? Going uh, smaller. Yeah, or, then we just go bigger, lah. Yeah, or, or or maybe they just pursue like yes. a totally different way, like quantum computing. You know, yeah. might we might not know because there's like quantum computers that can crack um things. You know, what yeah. happens like there's there's like a very um popular argument against cryptocurrencies where um yeah they, quantum they, can mess with them, right? Yeah, exactly. So like, would that happen? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll like the I'll I'll let the network figure that out. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, quantum is a. Uh, because, time. because at this point of time, right, like uh, tech like this, like what you mentioned with yep. the plasma, plasma cannon, it's expensive. You know, it's not um, suitable for like um, mass production. Yeah, it, it's something that you 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 have to break the bank to incorporate right. into your 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 pipeline. Right. So um, you know, at this point of time, maybe like down 20, 30 years, maybe you know might see uh, some company crazy enough to 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 do that. You know that. That would be the next Tesla that uh, we yeah. will invest in, maybe. You know who knows. Yeah. But um, uh, at this point, like um, you know, uh, next 10, 20 years, I don't see right. this happening. So I mean, you mentioned uh, you know, philosophy just now. So we'll move into a completely different segment now, which is um, like mental models, because I know yeah. you're also a big fan of uh, mental models, and I, I I've listed a few here that I find very interesting. I think the first is first principles, first principles thinking. This is from straight out of Elon. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and he always uh, draw a distinction between this and uh, he call it reasoning by analogy. I think like we learn most of us through um, understanding something by comparing it to something that we understand before or something that has happened before. Yeah. Whereas uh, uh, first principles thinking is a lot more uh, conducive for creating creative minds where you take the givens of anything 
And from there, you try to construct some sort of uh, solution or some sort of conclusion, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very theoretical, but how, how would you explain this and why why do you think this is a good way to to think? Oh, um, like first principles thinking, right? It's right. basically taking a problem right, and you boil it down to its most um, simple form like most um, basic forms. So like you have a problem, right? How are you going to solve it? So by first you you simplify a problem like a, an algebra question. Yeah. So that's kind of like what first principle thinking is. So you simplify it to a point where you can see like um, very distinct um, sub-problems that you need to solve and you tackle it one by one. So right. um, how like, for for the PayPal Mafia's case, right? Right. They were like all first principle thinkers. It's actually a stoic. Um, right. We we'll get to thinking. that right after this, yeah. But um, they they all had a problem that they wanted to solve, and then they basically um boiled down to its most um primitive forms, and then they solved it one by one, and they and they looked at the 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 the, the sub elements and they go, how can I make this? 10 times better. So they, there has to be a way that um, sort of like exists uh, to make like a certain thing go 10 times better, 10 times faster. Yep. And then when you are able to like make all these sub uh, problems 10 times better, you put them together, it becomes a thousand times better. Yeah. So yeah. that's first principle thinking uh, in their context. Uh, that's why they are so successful. Right. I, how would you uh, give a concrete example? Because so, I mean, for people who understand the language, I think it's easy. But in 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 real life or in concrete examples, what what, what are some of the yeah I guess examples you can give on this? Uh, Tesla is a right. really good example. Right. So uh, the 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 goal is very simple. For Elon, he wants to build a an uh, electric vehicle that um is cheap. So he he basically um had to. Think of think of ways to make a car run on electric, but then you also have a problem where the battery is kind of shit. So that's why he took the battery matter into his own hands, and when um, the car is operational, right, like you mentioned, so um, he will have like problems where he's not able to um, get that marginal um, passive income from yep. like cars like the the manufacturers. That's why he's going into AI. So like you know, he his actions are always quite um or his um business decisions really are mostly out of like um solving problems. You can so trace the logic now. Yes, solutions. Exactly. So whether you agree, we're not a separate question. Yes. but at least you can see there's a link. Yes, it was thought through based on past action. Yes, right. Uh, it links one to another basically. So how does uh this first first principle thinking like links to stoicism? Right, I've always heard that uh, you know the word stoic is, uh, you know, for people who have no, no feelings, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's not to say like no yeah, feelings. Uh, no, at least that's a, that's a, that is a perception or misconception depending on how you look at it. And it's not uh, something that's well uh, practiced in some cases frowned upon as well, right? We, we have the, the, the other side of, uh, the other side of this ism, which is hedonism, right? Some, some sort of, of, yeah, of, I guess it, so. In a way, I mean, yeah. there are many hedonism has many enemies also. But what what it, how does it link to like stoicism? Like why and why is this important? Why is it important to be stoic? 
I or think maybe it's like, important uh, right? for for like stoicism, right? It's yeah, like yeah. a very holistic way of like thinking through, right. uh, not just to kind of like control your emotions, right. but also to um, do things with like a very calm mind. Mm. So it's kind of like, and and like for most problems, right? Like in life in general, like when you have like a problem thrown at you, um, you know. Like for myself, like sometimes I would just go like berserk, you know, some, I, I like throw tantrums and I see. be be sad, you know, uh, be re- very reactive right. towards problems. Right. But then, right. like, um, it doesn't make the problem go away, right? So, like, stoicism is basically like a, a way of thinking um, to kind of like solve problems in a very calm manner. For mm. me, at least, that's my interpretation. Right. So one one criticism of stoicism has always been that like I, I mean I jokingly mentioned just now but it's a real criticism that uh, eventually someone becomes uh, cold right and uh, one example uh, do you watch Game of Thrones sorry do you do you watch Game of Thrones uh, yeah so I mean a good example would be someone like like Tywin Lannister <laughs> but he would fit the bill more I mean. Few people fit the bill, uh, you know. He he would fit the bill quite, quite closely. Um, yeah. And although you can respect someone like Tywin, he's not someone you trust your life with. And probably not a friend. You yeah. probably a good commander, probably a reliable guy. But you're like, mm. right. So that has always been the criticism of uh, Stoicism because the uh, of course the 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 practical value of what you just described of, uh, you know, something bad happens and you have to like center yourself to manage the external volatility. And um, so that's great. But then at the same time, when you do that, you start developing that, that, that coldness, that part exterior that people stay. And what ends up happening is that um, you bring this into the real world and then, that people start being not able to talk to either you, yeah, yeah. talk to you, relate to you, yeah. or things like that. Like, how do you respond to that? I mean, um, it depends on like the the context you're applying right. stoicism to, right? Like, um, for me, you know, it's mainly investing anger management because, like, I have a very short fuse. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, you know, I can slam tables in my office sometimes. You know, really, <laughs> is, yeah. is is that bad? Lah? So what, I know it's bad, but like, uh, do you do it like in response to? A, a mistake that you make or other people or both? Yeah, both because I'm just angry. Like, right, okay. Yeah, but it's kind of like Hulk, but yeah, I'm just right. angry. But, um, you know, something that uh, I, I do, I'm trying to like uh, manage better, be better, you know. But then like, um, I especially like when you mention um, how you become cold when you practice like stoicism, which I think in this sense, right, becoming cold towards your investments is a great thing. Yeah. Is a great thing, you know, because like if you're too attached to a stock, yeah, um, it's you time don't marry to go. your investments, so. yeah. You time is when it's time to go, you go, you know, you yeah. don't, no point sticking to it, you know. Right. What happens if I like my golf stocks a little too much, mm. right? So, two years down the road, I'm dead, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it really depends on like what kind of context you're applying stoicisms to. So, like, I don't think like sometimes, you know, like family relationships mm. or like, um, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend relationships, yep. you know, sometimes you do need to have that um, distance, uh, not to say distance in yeah. between, but like, um, you know, uh, depending on like how close you are, you know, 
it's really situational, I would say. Right, right. Uh, have you personally faced issues with, with this before? Like uh, where, um, of course, I, I think what you described is maybe more the, the, the tantrum part, but the the reverse of, you know. Oh, being able to manage. Yeah, uh, like the interpersonal relationship. Has it been a challenge or not, not an issue? Yeah, I think it, it helped me a lot. Right, right. Like, um, say, like with my uh, anger management, when I do it better, you know, right. it, it just generally improves the the mood of the right uh, people around me a lot. Okay. You know, okay, that's good. Good, good to know. So, why, why, why that is important? So, it links to the next mental model, which is uh, uh, fallacies and biases when it comes to data interpretation. Right? I think that's something. Oh, we yeah. Also talked about. Uh, one of the reasons we have biases and which then results into fallacies is because of not being able to control and all that. But me speci- specifically to like, um, what's the word? Yeah, like biases, right? What, what are some tips, not just from an investing point of view, but also from a, like a personal point of view that you would advise people to recognize that you have it and how do you combat it? What are some of the top biases that you must get rid or at least mitigate the, the, the negative? Effects. When people are not honest with themselves. Right. Okay. What do you mean? That it's, uh, it's like they're too stubborn to admit that there's a problem. Right. When, um, or like, uh, kind of like, yes, I, I would say like in life in general, right. right? This is quite damaging, but it hurts the most when, uh, we put it into like a financial context. Okay. So like, let's say you, you have a stock, right? That stock's shit. Uh, it's not a stock that you should be holding on to. Right. People hold on to it. And then you know stubbornly, and then right. you know you have to face the facts. Like let's say, even if it's like a world class um, technological, like even if it's like Tesla, right? If tomorrow Tesla doesn't um, decides uh, to uh, Elon wakes up and decides to like say we're gonna stop um, executing everything, yeah, I'm gonna sell, yeah, because uh, you gotta be critical when it comes to like investments. It's money that you're playing with. Like you are dealing with uh, a business you are an investor, so you have to assess the business that you invest in uh, critically. Right. Hmm. So uh, that's kind of like where the stoicism comes in on you because right. like it helps you to think very clearly, um, not to be attached too much. What are the causes of this sort of, I think the word, do they, is this bias called anchoring bias? Is, is that the correct one? Uh, or is it a sunk cost fallacy? Some, I, sunk I mean, cost it's usually it's a mix, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sunk cost fallacy is very interesting because uh, I remember watching this uh, video online and how you can avoid sunk cost fallacy is that uh, imagine like you, uh, what, what's the word? Yeah, like imagine you go to a grocery, you know, buy something and then you go halfway, right? And then someone coming back from the grocery who you trust tells you that the gro- gros- grocery closed down already. Uh, you don't go and say, well, I've walked halfway already. Let me just walk there anyway, right? Yeah. I walk back, lah, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Don't waste time. Um, yeah, so that's 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 the I just thought I'd share that story, which is the uh, uh, sunk cost. But what are the fallacies and and all biases that you would get people to avoid? Because at least I only use the word avoid because you can't really avoid it, right? Yeah. Everybody has it. But yeah, what are the fallacies or biases? I mean, I I don't have like the names sure, of sure, the, sure. The, the biases. You can explain it in a, in an example. Yeah. But like uh, in in essence, if like you ask me to explain in like one sentence, right, it's always going to be like be critically honest with yourself. Okay. And when it comes to like data, like company financials and all that, do your due diligence. Right. Like, take the data like seriously. Like crunch it. Crunch it. You know. Yeah. 
and then like if uh, it's not clear to you, plot it out. Right. When there's a line, there's like a better visualization. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So there's this other rule that you mentioned. I I, I thought I brought it up precisely because I know absolutely nothing about it. Uh, Bush veil rules. What in the world is that? All oh, right. Um. So basically, this is kind of like a, um, kind of like a chart to build uh for human resources people to build innovative teams. Okay, so this uh this is more of a management. Yeah, it's a management group. theory. Okay, what what is it? What's the theory? So basically, you have like very different people. Some that can lead, some that can innovate, some can do both, some uh that can only innovate. So you want to place people in their respective like uh it's all like uh the quadrants lah, you know, and then um how you best utilize them, and then you pair them together or you don't pair them together. Right. And then like um. I think this is like a pretty interesting um, theory, um, human resources management theory that um, most investors should look out for if you're investing in tech because like um, uh, you want to see the company structured in the sen- in in a way it's like geared for um, innovation, but also um, they know they they have the people or the departments to capitalize on the sales, to capitalize on like um, future expansions. And uh, to basically manage the money, that, that's kind of like um, why I I brought it up. Right, yeah. right. Okay. So, but how do you? How have you, have you been? Do you apply this in your workplace? Do you have to manage people? No, I don't. I'm I'm just a junior. But oh, so you are managing uh, the what's the word, the drafts and the the plans and all that more uh, rather than than people, is it? It, it, uh, sorry, what do you mean? Like do you uh, like you you deal with the what's the word engineers always use? Uh, grassroots. No, 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 grassroots. The 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 designs are the yeah yeah. Right, the, you do that more lah. So, uh, yeah, I I I do I I basically execute the, right. the models and stuff. Like so that. will you say that you are because you know in the corporate there's that typical distinction between the people person and the things person, right? Yeah. So will you say you are the more the things person? Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm not a very uh person, outgoing uh. person. It's probably very exasperating for you to deal with people, maybe because they're not up to your speed or like there's a lot of no, time I, wasted. I, 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 won't, I won't put it I, I'm not far that out far off. Like, okay, uh, okay. I just don't like talking to people sometimes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, which is a miracle because we've been speaking for like what one one and a half hours or more so th- thank you it's an honor uh now i want to move on to your to your to your personal life because i realize we have quite a few things in common but uh before that one last bit about mental models is this guy steven pinker so before i started investing i, I had read about steven pinker and i and i know that you 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 have read books uh by steven yeah and i think his most famous one i don't remember the exact book really, but i know the key message of the book which is we used to be really bad Enlightenment happened. Now we get Aircon and Teslas, right? That's mm-hmm. his whole thing. And um, he was saying that life was bad in the past because human expectancies, mortality rate, whatever is, is really bad. Today we don't have it. Um, there are quite a few disagreements that we can get into later on that people have. But what are like what are your thoughts about him? Do you agree? I don't remember. I think you gave this his book like a four out of five or three point five out. <laughs> I mean, it's a like it's that. a pretty uh, heavy book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did like kind of like enjoy it, but like some of his views are like, you know, uh, you stretch the timeline long enough, uh, innovation will naturally happen. That kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, 
he's not wrong, you know, like um, living standards today versus like, I don't know, 40 years ago. Yeah. It's different, you know, people expect different things. It, I don't think like um, the way that he's um, comparing things apple for apples like today versus yesterday, it's yeah. kind of like, I don't think it's relevant. I think, way, I think there are several criticism I have. I think the first is that um, like contentment or happiness or whatever for uh, different uh, societies, right? Uh, like people like to, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it before, right? Like, you know, people are saying, you know, back in my day, I don't have aircon, you know, or back in their parents' day, you know, they had to like, you know, yeah. cycle for electricity, something. They always yeah, have right, some story. Like, to the school or something. Ah, then, then in the boat, they have to fight the, like the water dragon or something like that. Um, <laughs> and I, I come to realize that actually is the relative happiness because yeah. that, that, that's like uh, through like hundreds or thousands of years comparison. But if you look at just present day, right? In theory, right? Singaporeans should never be unhappy. Yeah, compared to like, uh, even like Malaysia, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, or, or like Bhutan or whatever, right? Yeah, and and, and that's because, it, like I say, it, you they should be the happiest, right? And, yeah, exactly. And rich people should be the happiest, that's but that's not the case, right? Yeah, right. And so that, I think that's one. I think the second bit about the what's the word? The life expectancy. So this life expectancy one is very very uh very very tricky because obviously it's very clear people died in their 40s back in the day. And today, like the number's like 70, right? Something like that. But uh, what they don't take into account is that a lot of people that died was because of uh, war. War, Wars. yeah, you sickness. Probably adjust for war, right? And it's almost like, I don't want to call it, a, I, I wouldn't say it's a conspiracy theory, but um, it's almost like a way to justify like high medical fees. Cause it's like saying, you know, you see, you pay so much money now from because last time we got medicine, yeah. you break your leg, you just put it back, right? Yeah. And uh, you see, you get you add thirty years of your life if you like, you know, if you break your bank for medicine. Yeah. And I feel that 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 is uh, that is uh, mini tin for head conspiracy yeah. That's the, the only other criticism I have about uh, uh, Stephen's book. I don't think the past is as bad as. Uh, as, as, as today. La. I, exactly. I was just reading somewhere also, like I actually mentioned in, in a previous podcast that, um, you know, peasants, right? When we think of peasants, what do we think? Uh, working under the sun and all that, right? Yeah. Uh, European peasants had uh, 12 week holidays. Yeah. It's called winter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, they, they, and here we are, we have what, our leaf is about 21 days. Uh, if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky, exactly, right? Um, okay, so I, I think towards the end of the, the, the pod, right? I'm gonna talk a little bit about your personal life, uh, cooking, right? I know you're <laughs> big on cooking, right? Yeah. Um, I have to eat one day, for sure. Uh, do you cook for, for people often? Yeah, uh, I, I cook for my girlfriend. Ah, nice, nice. So what, what's, uh, what's your style, you know? what's uh, If you were to, today, if you have, you know, you, you made tons of money on, Tesla or, or whatever, and now you get to build a restaurant that is aiming for a star. What would that restaurant be? And like, you know, dream a bit. Yeah, if I were to dream a bit, yeah, maybe something like uh, Asian fusion. Okay, kind okay. Kind of stuff. Because like, I enjoy um, cooking Japanese and Korean. Yeah. And like, um, more recently, like uh, mainland China kind of food. Mainland China? Like, yeah. 
like the 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 hot and hot and spicy kind of like um, or swan, uh, swan you la, speak ma- you speak Mandarin right yeah uh, swan la tang like that something like that yeah like. wow mala and the the cold dishes you know right yeah, right it's uh, China does have like a very dynamic um food history food culture of course, of course. every region is uh, is different right yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, do you um, do do you see cooking as like uh some sort of therapy? Because I know, like, it's not therapy to me. Because like, I hate <laughs> like uh yeah. like chopping garlic is quite a strain on my neck because I think my home the the table is not very high, so I have to like bend over and and you know I have to chop, especially when you are when I have to uh slice them because to open the garlic right uh you have to remove the 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 What's the, the husk? Yeah, the easy the, way is to smash it, right? Yeah. But that's if you want to dice it. Yes. But if you want to slice it, you have to keep the shape there and you have to slowly peel. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's some, some cooking pet peeves. Uh. But yeah. do, do you see it as therapy? Because I know I had a former boss, right? he said like the sizzling of meat is his therapy. Yeah, I, I would say it's therapy. The, the, the prep work when yeah. I'm, I'm really, uh, yeah, I hate it. Okay. chopping vegetables, really, yeah. chopping meat. Yeah, it, it's quite the therapy for me. Because like I yeah. I work from home a lot, uh-huh. so so that's kind of like why like more more recently I have like more time to actually um cook at home. Right, right. So like uh my my job is kind of stressful sometimes. Like uh not to brag or anything, but right. I I do kind of like work uh very long hours. So you know uh I needed to find like a way to de-stress, and cooking has always right. been that that channel that I de-stress. So you have a very lucky girlfriend, like, is What you're trying to say? Oh no, oh no. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, so you cook breakfast, lunch, dinner. You you prepare nah, um, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes if I work from home all day, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, lunch wow. for myself. Uh, but like, um, like my girlfriend, she she works in the office most of the time. Oh, yeah. So like, it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. But uh, if I'm not feeling it, you know, sometimes like it's just sandwich for 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 lunch. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I brought on um. Uh, do, do you uh, uh, do you go into food science a lot? Like, do you, do you study like, like gastronomy and stuff like that? Yeah, do you? I mean, I'm interested. You know, I right. do watch like YouTube videos and stuff like yeah. that, but I don't really just like I don't really do it. You know, I, I'm gonna ask like this. It, it might be like a very insulting question, uh, <laughs> like, but uh, I just discovered recently, a couple of months ago, that uh, you know, tomato has MSG. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's why it's so it's it, so it nice, like that umami. Yeah, because you know, on. like, okay, is tomato a vegetable or a fruit? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So it grows on a tree, but you know. It's kind of like, like a, a veg. Fruit, right? Uh, but it tastes like a fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, I've asked you a question. Is, like, what's the hardest like dish you've made? Challenging. Hardest dish? Uh, you're just like, yeah, you probably don't want to make it anymore. Too difficult. Baking. Agree. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Tell, tell tell me your reasons, and I'll tell you mine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I just like I'm 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 the kind of guy like who doesn't like measurements. So, what? So, As an engineer, that's interesting. Like 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 not not to say like uh like measuring out like my 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 um uh the the ingredients and stuff like that. Like when you have like a set of rules and uh like a like a cookbook, right? It tells you to put like one tablespoon. Step one. Step two. Step two. Yeah. Like one tablespoon and like. Yeah, you know, how many grams of like chicken and like I'm not I'm like I'm not into this like you need to aga aga right? yeah you need to feel it, feel it yeah it's all like from practice huh? actually you know that's totally true like I've heard this said before right you know uh cooking is art 
baking is a science. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I always use an example of why I hate like baking so much. I mean, there are a lot of reasons. I mean, key among them would be like the, the, the absolute mess because there's a lot of flour involved. Yes. And then you have to, it, then like if you do any whisking, right? If you don't have like the proper machine, it's actually very, very difficult. Yeah, it's torture. Right? Yeah. Modern day torture. It's, it's very torturous. But the big one is this, you know, with cooking, the order is not important. So yeah. in theory, you, of course, ideally, right? When you fry something, let's say you put in like uh, garlic first. Yes. So you can get the smell and then you put whatever, right? Yeah. But let's say, right, you forgot to put the garlic, you put the vegetable first or whatever meat you're cooking. They're like, oh no, I forgot the garlic. Then you, when you put it there, still tastes kind of same. Like, yeah, yeah, it's about there, right? Yeah. But you can't put the egg after you put the, the icing. Oh. You, know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't, do, it doesn't look like that. And that's what I hate. That is the thing that I, I, I do. Really like. I'm glad, I glad you have that commonality. <laughs> So if you think that is, uh, you know, that stra- baking is stressful, I'll, I'll talk about something that is probably more stressful, less stressful in the past few weeks, but equally, uh, actually probably way more stressful for now coming up to 10 years, really, which is uh, uh, Man United. Whoa. So I'm a Man United fan, right? That's why I say we have a lot in common. I'm a Man United fan. The past few games, we're having some relief <laughs> but how has it been like you know the the past uh, 10 years I mean uh, I stopped wearing my jersey after the uh, Davis Moyes era <laughs> mine was the Chevrolet era <laughs> yeah. you stopped at Aeon mine sh- at least Chevro- Chevrolet but yeah I mean um, that's kind of like how you know we are long term investors <laughs> well what do you think of the, gla- the Glazers thing so from an investing perspective right mm-hmm. um Actually, they're, they're very good investors. Yeah. But I mean, like, in terms of like football, right? Uh, how the sport has evolved. I think like at this point of time, like you throw enough money at it, you know, it becomes, you can build like a, like a great team like Manchester City, uh, Liverpool more recently, as much as I hate to admit it. You know, uh, you hire good enough, uh, good, great um, managers. You know, you put the right people to the right job. Uh, you know, you build a great team. It's kind of like Lego, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not rocket science. And now Newcastle. Yes, exactly. You can, I mean, you can't get any richer than the guys backing <laughs> Newcastle. Right? No way, man. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the new manager and the new signings? You mean for... Um, United, United. United? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, we'll just have to see. Because right. like, it's a it's a pretty young team. But we've been saying this for like the last five years. We have been in transition for... The next, the last five years, maybe the next two, three years, I don't know, but yeah. um, we'll see. Uh, the the youngsters are pretty promising. So yeah. like um, yeah, I've been a fan for like so long now. It's too right. late to quit. Yeah, too too late to quit. <laughs> but I'm pretty positive about it. Like, I think uh, oh, I'm saying this on record some more. Uh, <laughs> I think that we are building the. You know, it's like in investing, right? You. Uh, or like in just even in work on it, you can do the right thing, get the wrong results. Yeah. So I feel that even with the Brentford and what's the on Brighton loss, we were doing the right things. Yeah. But we were getting the wrong results, mostly because the tra- the transition of the the 
the whole tactics and all that were not familiar with our team. Because if you imagine our team, right, especially someone like the hair, right? Yeah. This is a classic one. He has been through all the managers. Yeah. So you've been through Moyes, which plays a certain style. You want him, they want the keeper to throw the ball forward yes. for Fellaini, right? That was Moyes. Then when you hit Van Gaal, it's completely different, right? Yeah. You have to pass the ball around. Yeah. Then you need to go, okay, then just two years in, and oh, wow, Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Completely different. And then he had Oli Ball, right? The PE teacher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so then you had Ole, which, you know, wanted to play a style, or some say didn't have a style at all. Yeah. And then now you're back to Eric Ten Hag, which is another... Completely different style. Yeah. And so, I but but I do feel that they are doing the, the right things now. A lot more triangle passing, you know, it's like... Hey, that's the, the, the nice tiki-taka we all want to see. Yeah. Do you watch the Leicester game? No, I didn't. There was a very nice passing sequence. You know, it was a very uh, uh, move in the right direction. But how long have you been a Man United fan, actually? Since uh, the Beckham days. Ah. Because my dad was like a Man United fan. Same. That, so I became a United fan O2. O2, Yeah. Like, the the whole our tactic last time was pass it to Geeks or Beckham cross it into Van Stroy. That's it. Yeah. That, that was the tactic, right? And then you got like the Rooney or Ronaldo at the center. That was after that. That was after that. Oh, that was after that, right? Yeah, right, right, right after that. I still remember. Do you remember the first football match that you watched? You mean like physically or on TV? Uh on TV, lah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Do the, remember? The, no, I don't remember. Okay, lah. But at least you're on the right side of Manchester, lah. <laughs> So one more thing we have in common. I didn't know you're into MBTIs. Or at least you 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 do talk about it a little bit. Yeah, because that's MBTIs. because like my girlfriend wouldn't shut up about it. It's the modern day uh what's that astrology, right? In a way. Yeah, kind of like scientifically, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, so do you uh because I'm uh, correct me or wrong, you are an INTJ, right? Yes, that's right. Right, right, right. Do you agree with the descriptions? Yeah, kind of. But yeah, it's right. kind of like a chicken and egg thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you do the test. Maybe it's not accurate, but you kind of like mold yourself into it. Yeah, you can. Well, choose. some people would say would say that happens. You can choose your personality, right? Yeah, kind of. Although to be fair, have you heard of the ocean test? Like the no, this is the big five one. You only pay like ten US dollars for it. It's way more comprehensive. It's by a uh, what's that psychologist? Uh, Jordan Peterson. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. You should, should do it. It's called a big five personality test. Ocean. So O is openness. C is conscientious. E is extroversion. A is agreeableness. N is neuroticism. So it's like. A building on on this, uh, maybe they'll disagree. La. I can imagine people really disagreeing, but it's sort of like a better version, a better offshoot of uh, MBTI. Yeah, that could that could be a thing. Yeah. Then we can try out ten US dollars. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Last question only, right? And um, what are your what are your future plans, right? This is the LinkedIn question, right? <laughs> uh, you know, you 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 just started with Aaron, uh, you know, RA21, right? Yep. Uh, which is what uh, it's, it's called uh, something adulting, right? I can't remember. A really adult show. The really adult show, sorry. A really adult show. But how, how do you get at 21 there? Oh, because we started in 2021. Ah, no bad, no bad. No bad. <laughs> well, what, what's the, what's the, what's the angle? What's the, the dream for that, that podcast and things like that? Uh, um, right now we both have like aspirations to have better reach mm. so that uh, we get to like um, reach out to more people hope to see more collabs right right yeah and um, you know get um, better content and then kind of like 
expand like a little bit in terms of right. like um on the different platforms so that's um what we're working towards at the in the short term okay sounds but good. in the long term you know um ultimately i think i want this podcast like we both want this podcast to be something that's really helpful for people who are adulting yes i i but you guys go deep into like like insurance and credit and it's like two hour 43 minutes it's like wow amazing i need to listen more i'm i think i'm like i think i'm 20 through the diversification one that you all just came out with yeah well thank yeah. you for listening yeah yeah, yeah for sure for sure i have to uh support man fellow fellow podcasters uh what what's your side of the story with like meeting aaron i'll ask his side but what are your how do you guys mean and like first impression first impressions of this guy was like uh he had this doge uh, Darth Vader uh um, yeah yeah correct. DP, and i was like whoa that's funny but um he's he he actually um got in touch with me first uh-huh. he left like a nice comment on like crypto okay so that's how we kicked it off uh, this is your instagram page right? yeah it? exactly nice so this was like uh more than a year ago yeah more than a year i think it was back in like uh 2020 i think wow amazing uh amazing story so i will uh i will ask him his story. <laughs> okay But yeah, Aaron has been like kind of like a financial uh, investing mentor for me. I see. Yeah, so like I I I owe a lot of like um my my gains or, or the right moves that I made in the right. investing space to him. Right. It's not that he he's giving me like financial advice, but like the conversations that we have is kind of like it goes deep. Like when uh, you listen to the podcast and you listen to him yes. speak. He addresses problems in a very fundamental way. Yeah. So um, it kind of like shaped my mind into um, to think that way more. So like when you address things at its roots, you know, you get to the solution faster. So yeah. that's how um, you know we've we've evolved. Excellent, man. Uh, thanks for the hype trailer for the next podcast, uh, which is uh, Aaron. No, no, I think Aaron will be after after we have one in between. But yeah, you know, uh, Ryan. Um, Thanks for spending a couple hours with me. Hey, no problem. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Definitely. Um, and yeah, like how how if people want to reach you, what 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 do they do? Well, I'm on Instagram. You can find me at at Foot and Stonks. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm just there, active on just one page. You don't want people find you on LinkedIn? No, no, don't do that, man. You <laughs> <laughs> mean? Yeah, 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 guys. Uh, guys, hope you guys enjoyed the the video. I I I certainly did. And um, and yeah, right now. Definitely get you on for part two, right? Uh, especially <laughs> yeah. when if you have a new new stock in mind, you know, we we all want to hear what you think. Uh, and perhaps one where you know if Aaron is up in Malaysia, right? Yeah. Whenever that is, uh, we can uh, bring you guys on. And yeah, uh, guys, signing off. Uh, if you like uh, to this podcast, you know, on YouTube, give it a like. Uh, Spotify followers, share it with your friends if you think this is useful. And uh, we'll see you in the next one, guys. <laughs>